The opinions and views expressed on this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. For more information about this show or other programs on KUCI, please log on to KUCI.org for the latest program schedule. Good morning, everyone. I'm your host, Janine, and this is the Get the Funk Out Show, and I'm with my intern, Tim. Hi, Tim. Hi there. How are you? I don't think I can hear you, Tim. There you go. Hi there. Whoa. (laughs) (laughs) That woke me up. How are you? Very good. Very good. And uh, you just started your training at uh, KCI? I have. I have. I've been training here the last couple of weeks. It's been very interesting. Big fan of radio. Uh, Big fan of KUCI. Uh, so looking forward to uh, being one of the community members who can uh, come in and add a little bit. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Uh, years ago, I had met Tani, who's another DJ here, and uh, she said, oh, yeah, you should come on my show. And I'm like, how'd you get a show? And I found out that they actually allow not just students but community members mm-hmm. to be trained, and uh, it's, it's very exciting to be a part of the KUCI community. How did you hear about it? Uh, I actually live nearby, uh, and I am a big fan of public radio, big fan of community radio, uh, nice. and was surfing in the in the lower orders of the uh, FM radio dial, and came ap- came across uh, the station and uh, enjoy the music. There's a lot of music on the radio, uh, a lot of music on KC- KUCI. Very uh, eclectic here. Very eclectic, uh, and then started listening to some of the talk, uh, and actually like the talk. I mean, everyone probably listens to this loves uh, NPR and, and other uh, community radio stations, but there's something right. very unique about the talk you get on uh, KUCI. So uh, it's quite enjoyable. It's a nice mix. It's it a nice is. mix to have to complement the uh, the more traditional stuff. It is. In just a little bit, we're going to be joined by Chef Jenny Ross of 118 Degrees, and I was telling you earlier how I used to be totally addicted to junk food, and mm. um, I, I asked her to be on the show because, you know, we talked about being in a funk, and food definitely affects your mood. Have you had that experience? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, because it's a habit of life, and, and uh, I, I've just moved back to the States after after many years living in, in London and in Europe, and you take food much more seriously over there than here. And here I get the feeling I've just been back for, for a few months, but, you know, we eat really bad food here. We're very lazy with food. We, we take what's available. We don't ask that many questions about it. But when you eat good food, you feel better. You think better. Sure. Y- you're in top form. It's like an athlete. Yeah. Y- you look at the uh, Olympics, and, and those athletes weren't eating, uh, you know, anything that came across their plate. They had a theory. They had an approach. And I think, you know, for good mental uh, well-being, uh, it's, uh, it's important to make the right choices and, and to choose the food rather than let the food choose you. Why do you think that? I'm just curious your opinion why we have such bad choices compared to where you were. Yeah, well, I mean, there is a lot of, of industrialization and, and consolidation of food supply in in the U.K. Mm-hmm. I think the U.K. sits kind of halfway between Europe and the U.S., but we buy most of our food from uh, big supermarket chains. Uh, we're cost-sensitive. 
you know, if there is a gallon of milk for a dollar ninety nine and a gallon of milk for two forty nine, a lot of people will just instinctively pick the one ninety nine. Uh, and so much of our food delivery system, I think, is just geared towards delivering low-cost food, regardless of quantity. And when you go into a, the vegetarian section of a local mass market chain of supermarkets, okay. you're going to see huge tomatoes. Mm-hmm. Tomatoes shouldn't be that large. They shouldn't be that perfectly red. That's not <laughs> the way you find tomatoes when you go to a farm and pick them off of a, a genuine, uh, uh, sort of a genuine small holding farm. Those are industrialized bananas. They're, you mean tomatoes? Tomatoes or bananas. They're, they're or, on, on uh, steroids. Well, exactly. They're, they're, <laughs> they're, they're, they're being manipulated to look a particular way. Mm-hmm. A- and bananas are the classic example. Has it ever concerned anyone that every single banana you buy is exactly the same length and exactly the same circumference? They all are identical. Whereas if you get, you know, if you were to grow your own bananas or grow your own tomatoes or grow your own celery, you would immediately see that there are wild varieties in in the length and breadth and, and weight and size and color of them. But so much of the American food system, I think, is just based on producing this mm-hmm. kind of identical food. And it's not people aren't caring, well, well, how does it affect me? How does it affect my mood? How does it affect my health and my well-being? They're just trying to produce identical identical product. I know, everything has to look perfect. Exactly. You know, uh, it's interesting. I have a garden at home and, you know, I'll get, I'll get a little plant and it already has a pepper on it. And then I'm like, how come the thing's not growing? I right. mean, you know, it's maybe because I'm not injecting it with like super growth hormones or something. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, things take time. But as you learn, it is really easy to grow your own stuff. I don't know I've, if you have a garden. No, no, we don't have the opportunity here. We had one. I have uh, uh, three small children and, and they love the fact that they could actually create something in the garden. And it, maybe it's the difference between analog and digital music. Real gardening is, you know, there are whistles and cracks. There's randomness. There's, you don't know what's going to happen when you're actually growing. Uh, and the factory farming, maybe it's more digital mass produced. We want everything to sound and look exactly the same. But the kids loved the, the, the randomness, the, yeah. the not knowing what's going to come up in three weeks or four weeks, you know. By the way, I have to tell my listeners, because they're probably wondering, who's this guest on the show? Oh. Uh, this, I'm joined by Tim. I'm, I'm your host, Janine. This is the Get the Funk Out show. We were supposed to be joined by Jenny Ross. I think she might be running a few minutes late. So as it turns out, Tim just returned from London. Mm-hmm. You were gone, you said, for tw- 12 years. Yep, yep. And uh, I was telling them all about my show, and we started talking about, you know, diet. And oh. I was saying how I used to be addicted to all kinds of crazy things, and now I would never <laughs> touch them. Um, I tell my kids, oh, yeah, I used to eat these Hostess pink fluff ball things. You know what I'm talking about, the Those dome things? Those were great. Those were they were great, weren't they? <laughs> they look, I think they would glow in the dark, though. They, they were so pink and bright. I used to eat those in the morning, actually, yeah. <laughs> for breakfast. The breakfast of champions. Yeah, no, I... I remember those. I, I grew up right around the corner here in Orange County, and uh, mm-hmm. those were a mainstay. Uh, I've never done the experiment that I guess you can see on YouTube where you leave a Twinkie on a on a windowsill for months and months and months, and they don't change color. You can still so, eat it? Well, I don't know if you can still eat it. <laughs> I don't think I would. But the interesting thing apparently is if you put one of those pink snowballs or a Twinkie on a, on a shelf and just let it, it would not change in appearance. It would not change That's color. So it would not change density. Whereas yeah. if you put a, a, a tomato or an apple, it would obviously do what natural things do, which is decay, but not yeah. the Twinkie. Have you heard of a devil dog? I've heard of it. Isn't that an East Coast? I don't know. It's I an East Coast yeah. hostess thing yeah. where um, it's like uh, this uh, chocolate cake and it has cream in the middle. It's like yeah. a hot dog. Yeah. 
Uh, can only get them on the East Coast for some reason. Fantastic. Yeah. So when we go to the East Coast, a lot of times my husband and yeah. relatives will be like, let's get devil dogs. <laughs> <laughs> Um, anyway, so Jenny Ross is going to join us hopefully in a little bit. And if not, you know, maybe you and I can talk. And we'll maybe we'll add in a few tunes. Maybe if you have Absolutely. a favorite genre of music, you can Absolutely. let me know. And I know I have to teach you a few things here and there. Uh, uh, it's really exciting having an intern because I know when I was an intern, I learned a lot of things uh, through my training as well. And uh, I was telling Tim, uh, funny enough, my first show on KUCI, Someone said, I need you to sub. And I thought, oh, great, I'll learn how to sub. And they said, you really don't have to do anything. Just here's a CD. You pop it in. You play it. I thought, great. Well, I popped it in, and I went to play it, and it was blank. Uh-oh. <laughs> Didn't have anything prepared that morning. <laughs> <laughs> was a little tired. Anyway, you know, things happen. Yeah. It's fine. It's fine. So have you ever been in a funk that you want to share? Um, I mean, the last couple of years, I think, for everyone, haven't, uh, haven't been easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think with the economic uh, issues and, and the uncertainty, and I've got a lot of friends coming out of grad school and coming out of undergrad, mm-hmm. and it's been a really, really hard time. So I, I, I've known a lot of people, uh, particularly when they're caught by surprise. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, someone has, a, you know, they're in an educational track and they know where they're going to go or, or they're on a career track and it's so clear to them where they're going to go. And then all of a sudden something happens. Right. Uh, they don't get the grant. They don't get into the graduate program. They don't uh, get, get to keep their job. Mm-hmm. Uh, and all of a sudden they're spiraling out. Right. And I've had a number of close friends who've been uh, who've been wrestling with that and that unforeseen event and this this technicolor vision of where their life was going to go mm-hmm. is no is no longer going to go that That's way. That's right. It's shattered. It's yeah. shattered. Absolutely. And the the disorientation I think contributes to people falling into a funk, even though and other aspects of their lives are going phenomenally. Great life partner, great family, mm-hmm. great no health issues. You know, lots of positivity is going into their lives. And you can't deny that, and they can't deny that. But the, the, the disorientation of the, this one big disappointment right. starts, to, starts to capture them. And then you throw into the whole equation, they've gone to graduate school, they might have an, these advanced degrees, they're yeah. a lawyer, they're this, and I think, what's the matter with me? Why right. can't get, I get a job right. or find direction? Or, you know, I, they thought they were going to go down this one path, and they're just thrown into this tailspin of, exactly. you know, all these questions of where am I going, what am I doing with my life? And then they, on top of that, they often think, well, I'm not supposed to be in a funk. I'm not supposed to be feeling bad because I'm the winner. Mm-hmm. I'm the one who gets things done. I'm not like my friend X or my friend Y. I'm the one who's done everything right. This shouldn't be happening to me. And I think that actually can make the funk worse mm-hmm. because they're not prepared for that. A little bit of failure is a great thing. Uh, right. throughout your life so you can have that experience right uh, and I, I think s- some high achievers who are looking back on you know this long stretch of awards and trophies and certificates and photo moments and, and all of that all of a sudden hit a big stumbling block it can be particularly hard for them to to mm-hmm. recover for that well the biggest thing is how you deal with the mm-hmm. funk when you're in it I mean I do you throw yourself into other things that are not going to be good for you and then yeah. you find yourself even drowning even more yeah. or do you take the time to say okay this is a really crazy time and think positively or surround yourself by people that are going to help yeah. you and that makes it even better and you find your way out no absolutely i mean i from what i've seen and and the little personal experience i've had with this 
I've always seen the people who make the most progress are start to think about other things. Mm-hmm. You, you can only think about a problem so much, and if it's not getting solved, it's not getting solved. They, they, they've done uh, experiments in psychology where, uh, on a different subject, solving a problem, solving a task, actually turning your mind away from that task. Okay, I'm not going to think about how to solve that equation or how to complete this invention or how to finish this page that I'm writing of fiction. I'm going to think of something else. I'm going to think about my birthday list or I'm going to think about uh, doing the back garden or something like that. You turn your mind away from this problem and all of a sudden the other aspects of your mind get to kick in and all of a sudden a solution just gracefully lifts up. I think for people in a funk, that's one thing to consider. Why can't I just start volunteering or start doing something else or reconnect with some members of my family? And and and, and I've seen people actually take that approach, and, and it's worked for them. It's been it's been very right. very productive. Well, you never know when you throw yourself into something else where you're going to network and find other people. I mean, exactly. I've gone you know swimming and found answers to something that was troubling me, maybe because I've had a conversation with a total stranger. Right. And that stranger was a lot older than me, much wiser. Um, you know, I, I get an insight from unbelievable things. Like I was one time swimming um, over the summer, and I met this woman who was treading water. She said, oh, yeah, for my 50th, I tread water. I was treading water for seven hours. And I thought, what? How do you do that? Mm. She said, well, I, you know, I love challenges, and I have well. polio. I was born with polio, and I thought, you're kidding me. How, how do you, that's, that's unbelievable. Mm. That strength, you know, to go on and do that and challenge yourself. And um, she says, you know, I've always been kind of overweight, but I don't let it bother me. And uh, it's just something I love to do. And anyway, that you just, if you open yourself up to total strangers, you just don't know where things mm. will go. I've, I've met somebody at an alumni event who introduced me to voiceover, yeah. you know, and said, here, call my teacher. Mm. And it totally changed my life. It's amazing what a what a solution um, people can be. Mm-hmm. Other people can be uh, solutions to problems that you have and problems that you don't know that you have. Right. Um, I, you never want to talk in generalities, but a lot of situations that you find yourself in, connecting with other people can help you reach those solutions. Can make it better. Better is it is it really better in your in your particular circumstance to not connect with people? I would think in most or a lot of circumstances, the more you connect with, the easier it's going to be for you to get new insights, new information, new perspectives. Uh, there's always a time for contemplation and, and 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 being by yourself, but you know, being connected with other people can be a fantastic thing. I agree. I agree. I think we'll take a break. Uh, I've been chatting with Tim, my intern. Thanks, Tim. And we, we're going to try to connect with uh, Chef Jenny Ross. I guess she's running late or something came up. And in the meantime, uh, we're going to listen to a little blues music uh, off of Bert Devert, Kidman Blues. And uh, do you like blues? I do like blues. I do like blues a lot. Nice. Yeah, me too. Uh, so this is, uh, let's see, what track? Want to pick a track? I, I'm actually familiar with this. I've played this a little bit. Um, Your choice. Uh, uh, I'm going to go with track four, Come Back Baby. You know what? That's what I have queued up. Oh, fantastic. Nice. All right, sweet. We're going to listen to that, and we'll be back in just a little bit. Come back, baby. Mama, please don't go. About the way that I love you Baby, you never know Come back, babe 
All right, you're listening to Get the Funk Out, and I'm joined by Tim, my intern. Hi, Tim. Hi there. So what were we were listening to? Yeah, we were listening to Bert DeVert off of uh, Kin Man Blues, a great uh, great track, Come Back Baby, some traditional blues there. Nice. And Jenny Ross is joining us, the founder of, I was telling you, the Raw mm-hmm. Food Restaurant. They have a few restaurants here, and uh, this 118 Degrees. Hi, Jenny. Hi, good morning. How are you today? Good morning. Good morning. I'm so happy to have you on the show. Thanks for joining us. So great to be here. Thank you so much. And I'm joined by Tim, who's interning on my show today. Tim, how are you? Very good, very good. Very interested in learning more. Oh, excellent. <laughs> so I wanted to start off. We're going to chat for a few minutes, and we got to go to break. But I um, wanted to ask you about life before 118 degrees. How did you start <laughs> <Was> this? <there? laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it's so amazing because... I think so many times, um, and so many people share that, you know, there's points in their lives where you kind of come to a critical moment where you get to decide, you know, how your life is really going to unfold. Sure. And that's what happened for me before I came to 118 degrees, um, before I came to this lifestyle that has really propelled this vision. Um, You know, I was just like, you know, anyone else who may be unhappy and healthy, searching, and feeling like there's got to be more to what I'm seeing, you know, that we're avail- that's available to us mm-hmm. um, in our life. And um, that was such a, it, it was an emotional time in my life, um, as that can typically be part of, you know, a quest for something other than maybe what you're presented with. And it was a time of great tenacity also. You know, that's the time in my life where I really learned that, you can do a lot by sheerly showing up and pulling right. up your bootstraps That's and right. doing it. Um, Let me ask you this. Excuse me one second. Did you were you actually in a funk because you weren't eating well or you had a lot of stuff going on? Well, yeah, that was definitely a huge part of my funk. Um, you know, my my funk really started pretty early in my life, um, mm-hmm. earlier than the end of high school, even. You know, like sixteen, seventeen, and kind of you know had its own track and went all the way through, you know, my early 20s. And, um, you know, it kind of came to a head when I was actually um, traveling. I had been working for a modeling agency and also modeling myself and traveling and not eating right, not sleeping right, not Ugh. taking care of my body. Awful. You know, I was surrounded by a lot of negative energy, mm-hmm. a lot of negative uh, people, and the whole you know, energetic of the industry I was in, I wouldn't say was real conducive to feeling great all the time either. Right. And, um, you know, I really got to a point where I just said, enough is enough. I don't want to do this anymore. And, you know, I I had no idea what I was going to (laughs) do, but I knew I was not going to make those choices anymore. Um, and that's really when, when I really released the idea that I needed to know that I needed to figure out, um, what was coming next before I let go of what I knew wasn't working, that's when all the miracles in my life occurred and when I was really able to receive what might be possible for my life. And what what unfolded at that point? I mean, how did you figure out that food was going to be the next chapter of your life? Yeah, well, um, so as I um, started to kind of release everything, I you know, I was, I was actually traveling in Italy um, with my modeling agency, and that's really where I you know, everything in my life kind of came to a point, to a standstill, where I looked around and I just, I don't want to do this anymore. Good. And um, I came back and I quit the job for the agency. I quit modeling. I moved to a different house with different people. I um, basically just stopped everything. And I um, 
like I said, I really had no idea what the next steps were, but I knew that the choices I was making weren't making me happy. So I just, um, I moved into this little studio apartment in Laguna Beach, and um, it was such a blessing because this studio happened to be right down the street from a new yoga studio that had just opened up. Beautiful. And so I got their flyers. They had two weeks free or something like that, which fit my budget, <laughs> which at the time was zero. So yeah. I went in. I said, okay, let me try this. And it was really hard for me at first um, because I had never done yoga before. I never understood what yoga was about. Um, and I also hadn't been taking care of my body, so it was not comfortable to stretch and grow and move sure. um, like you do in a yoga class sometimes. Um, but it was exactly what I needed, and I had the perfect teachers that could show me and could direct me. And really within those two weeks, that's where my awareness completely shifted. And I realized that, you know, okay, if I ate this before I came to class, I would feel good. If I ate that, I would feel bad. Mm -hmm. And I recognized that what I ate was connected to how I felt. Absolutely. That was the first time in my entire life I'd had that awareness. Wait, were you... Um Surrounding yourself with people that were eating healthy and they were sharing some tips with you? or um, Actually, I, I wish that at that time I, I had had more um, mm -hmm. people around me. But really, um, when I shifted my life, I, I let go of a lot of friendships. Um, so when I moved okay. to Laguna Beach, I knew nobody in Laguna Beach except my yoga instructors. But one positive thing about Laguna Beach is they have this really wonderful little space there called The Stand that's been there since, you know, the early 60s. Okay. And uh, everybody there sort of became my extended family. Um, and they made fresh whole fruit uh, smoothies there. They juiced every morning. Nice. They had great, you know, plant-based offerings. So that was really my introduction into, um, you know, plant-based foods. Beautiful. And it was uh, simple food and easy to understand. And as I was there, you know, I just became open to getting to know other people. Mm -hmm. And in Laguna Beach, you have a lot of open-minded folks that have been through transitions in their own life. Mm -hmm. So, you know, as the days went on between my classes and um, the my, my stop at the sand and um, <laughs> the lovely folks there, I started to, you know, explore things that I had never explored before. And just as soon as you open, it's like as soon as you open Pandora's box, everything comes flooding in. Yes. And it must have been the right time for me to, you know, have this experience because as soon as I started to do that, I started connecting with more and more like-minded people who had more to share. And um, I love it. I love it. Yeah. I want to just tell you that I think it's very bold and uh, amazing. More women should do this where you go somewhere you don't know anybody and you live by yourself and you find out who you are. Mm -hmm. I think more people should do this. We're talking with uh, Jenny Ross, the founder of 118 Degrees. We're going to take a short break, just a couple minutes, and we'll be back more with you, Jenny. Jenny, just hang tight. Okay. You're listening to Get the Funk Out. I'm joined by Tim. Tim, we're just going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more with Jenny Ross. The opinions and views expressed on this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. For more information about this show or other programs on KUCI, please log on to KUCI.org for the latest program schedule. Wow, yeah, since the storm, it's been crazy busy for us. We got all kinds of office desks coming in. Now here's a, it's a fancy one right here. It's missing a leg, but that's all right, whatever. Washers and dryers from a laundromat. Oh wow, check this out, another deep fryer. And I'm not sure what this doohickey is. Yeah, most businesses weren't ready for a storm like that, you know. But our work's really piling up here at Roberts & Sons Salvage. 
What will become of your business after a disaster? Nearly two-thirds of businesses aren't prepared for an emergency, and 40% of businesses that experience a disaster never recover. Make an emergency plan now, before it's too late. For a free online tool that helps you develop an emergency plan to keep your business up and running should disaster strike, visit ready.gov forward slash business. Brought to you by the Federal Emergency Management Agency, the American Red Cross, and the Ad Council. Gas prices have been going up a lot lately, and they'll probably continue to. KUCI offers a few tips to help curb this burden. First, if you live close to your school or work, consider riding a bike. It's healthier for you and for the environment, and it can actually be a lot of fun. If that won't work for you, we recommend that you make sure your vehicle is as empty as possible. In other words, don't keep junk in your trunk. Any unnecessary weight can have a huge impact on your mileage over the long run. So considering the skyrocketing cost of gas, it's a great time to break the four-wheel habit. You'll get great exercise, increase your energy, and elevate your overall mood. Plus, it's great for the environment. And you'll never have to worry about getting stuck in traffic again and have a great parking spot. Hey, hey, you're listening to Get the Funk Out. I'm your host, Janine. I'm joined by Tim. Back with Tim. Hi, Tim. Hey there. And uh, Chef Jenny is on the line. Hi, Je- Hi, Jenny. Hi, you guys. So I love your whole, you know, positive energy and all that. Tell me about, okay, you were in Laguna. You were taking yoga. You were changing your whole way <laughs> of eating and everything. How did this whole thing come about with 118 degrees? Well, you know what I would do when I lived down in Laguna? Um, I I would walk the streets at night, um, which sounds funny. But, okay. <laughs> uh, I would, you know, uh, previous to that, maybe I would have gone out to a club or a party or done something, you know, really exciting at the time in my mind like that. And I really realized that those choices weren't, you know, helping me feel great every day. And, and they were really leaving me with a lot of emptiness. Sure. So when I would get home from work, I would just go home, I would change. And, you know, Laguna is full of incredible, beautiful art. And so I would, you know, just get in my warm clothes and I would walk down to the center of town and I walked through town at night after the art galleries were closed and I would just look at all the art. And um, I would do this because it was really rejuvenating for me to be kind of in the ocean air. It always made me feel better. I always felt a little more comforted when I was outside there. And um, I did that just because Partly, I didn't really know what else to do, mm-hmm. but I knew that that always made me feel good. Nice. And it was a little thing that I could do, and I would always sleep better at night when I would do this little walk. And so one night as I was walking, I kind of walked all through town, and then I went up to the corner up at St. Anne's, and I was, you know, looking over the ocean. It was a beautiful night, full moon, everything. And I was sitting there thinking, wow, you know, my old friends would be at this party doing this with this person, and, mm-hmm. you know, just kind of reflecting back on where not even a month ago my life had been. And then I thought, you know, and I would have still been so unhappy. Right. And I just sat there and I kind of just said a little prayer in my heart just of gratitude mm-hmm. that I was now somewhere else experiencing something different. And honestly, at that moment, all I felt in front of me was possibility. Nice. It was this huge, <laughs> vast ocean of possibility, really. <laughs> and um, so I just, I just said this prayer, just, you know, please help me find my purpose. Help me figure out what it is I'm here to share, how I can help people. And um, help other people who may be searching, you know, feel that it's okay to let go of what they know and let go of what they've experienced as reality before and, and find something new. And um, just really have always had this passionate heart for wanting to help people, but now it was a lot more personal. 
And um, so I sat there, and as I um, was sitting there, I really started to think about all the things in my life I love, and food has always been a love of mine. I used to play restaurant with my grandmother when I was, you know, three and four when she would watch me in the summers. And I I always thought back to that. And I feel like this, you know, food is something that nourishes us on a core level. So I feel like if people are nourished right there, they're able to be more of who they really are. Yes. And so I started journaling around having a space where people could come and individuals could come alone, you know, much like I was experiencing at that time and feel comfortable to sit and enjoy a meal that really nourished them at a core level so that they could then be more of who they really are and do more of what they really want to do in the world. And um, so I I just started journaling, and I still had no idea the exact form it would take. I was just sort of dabbling with raw foods at that time and still hadn't really unlocked the full you know, potential of what I was going to experience with raw food, but knew that my entire shift around food had really brought me even to this point, um, you know, coupled with these lifestyle choices. So um, I kind of repeated that same experience a couple of times throughout the next three months down there in Laguna. And during that time, a friend had given me a book about raw foods. And as it works out, you know, that book was the same book I had just ordered on the Internet maybe minutes before. Oh, funny. Yeah. So (laughs) I read it and I thought, you know, this makes so much sense. Living body needs a living energy, living foods. Okay, well, I'll try it. You know what's the worst? I go back to eating steak and potatoes. Okay, I know the results I get from that. Right. And I'm looking for a new result, so it makes sense that I need new choices. So um, I tried it, and, you know, sometimes people don't believe me when I express this, but within two weeks, you know, all of my additional symptoms that I was still having in my body were gone. Oh, I believe it. I believe it. You know, I mean, it was just like I wanted to shout from the rooftops. (laughs) I wanted to tell everybody, don't you know how good you can feel in your body? Yes. And um, because for me, it was something that I was always trying to separate from my body because I didn't feel good in my body. Right. And um, so this was like, you know, I mean, it was like the heavens opened up and a choir of angels sang. (laughs) (laughs) And so I wanted to share that with people. And so I looked through my journaling and looked through this whole thing and I really understood now these dots were connecting for me you know it's interesting because people don't realize that food can be very toxic just like people mm-hmm. you know and and you want to surround yourself with good people and good food and it all it's an equation yeah you know? yeah and much like that equation too it's like um it's a co- compounded in nature you know the more good things you add to your diet the better your diet is at the end of the week the better you feel overall Right. It's cumulative. So I always try to remind people, you know, and even for me at that time I had to learn, okay, if I do a little bit, a little is good, but the more I do, the better I feel. If I make a mistake, I don't need to beat myself up over it. That's right. It's just a matter of, like, it's a course correction. Oh, that didn't work. Okay, back over here (laughs) on my course. And as humans, it's so natural because we're so curious about everything. And um, so we kind of... And we kill ourselves with curiosity a a lot of times with our diet. And um, it's something that, you know, once you understand the mechanics of what's happening in your body with food, Mm -hmm. it's so much easier to be curious about the right things and to make your exploration of food about all the things that are going to really enliven your body. And um, that's what raw food was for me. I mean, it was like going back to learning to ride a bike, you know. It was so exciting because there were so many new things that I had never tried that I was getting a chance to try. 
And the only time I can ever remember doing that, you know, was when I was a child, exploring food for the first time. And so this was so exciting. And, you know, it's a lot of times how you frame it. You know, I had a lot of friends that say, oh, I could never, you know, just eat only these things. And I said, well, that's not my experience of it. You know, have you ever had a Young Thai coconut? Have you ever had, right. you know, raw chocolate? I was so much better than regular chocolate. <laughs> you know, I mean, it was, for me, it was like, wow, step into this experience for a minute. And that's really where I learned. It was in my social interactions then from that point on that I realized people don't have any frame of reference. They don't have any context to understand what I'm experiencing. Well, Tim and I, I just want to tell you before you came on, we were talking about how everything is so processed and we live in a society of convenience where, and I want to touch on this because you're a mom, I'm a mom, about how, you know, people think, oh, I'll just give my, my kid a Lunchable. It's fast and easy. Yep. And, and I, want to, I want to ask you, um, after I ask you, I want to know how you first launched 118 Degrees. Yeah. Um, what are your choices? What do you think you know, is a great solution. You know, if you could have the ideal breakfast, if you could rearrange how kids are eating for, for school in the morning, yeah. what's breakfast, what's lunch? If you want to answer that now or later, that's fine. Yeah, well, I mean, in specific relationship to kids, is that the question? Yes, yes. Yeah, so when you're wanting to, you know, feed your family well, and even yourself, um, and I learned this when I was going the road alone, you know, you have to change your, your programming around how you plan for food. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we're in an environment where we run and run and run and run, and we never take any downtime. And beyond that, just being really bad for your body, really hard on your adrenal glands, it's also really hard on your diet because you don't have any time to prepare. Yes. And so what I usually recommend for moms and what I do in my own house, in fact, we just did this yesterday, Sundays are our day to prepare food, and we it. go and we shop. We shop the farmer's markets. We get the rest that we need at maybe Trader Joe's mm -hmm. or um, Sprouts or even Whole Foods, you know, just depending on what our needs are for that week. And then we package everything up in sets for the week. You know, uh, my son, he loves the little organic baby carrots. So I make him four little packages of organic baby carrots for the days he's going to be, you know, off with other people. Nice. And um, we line, we sort of line it all up in the fridge. And honestly, the hardest part is keeping my husband's hands out of there. That's <laughs> <laughs> not planned for him. And you know, sometimes we get halfway through our week and we have to do a little emergency, you know, yes. okay, make some food from 10 to 12 at night because that's how our life is structured right. so that we can get through the rest of the week. But doing that little bit of planning I know goes a long way as for my whole family to eat better. And, um, and I joke about my husband, but I'd really rather him eat those organic baby carrots than whatever else he'd run right. out and grab, of course, you know. Of course. So, um, you know, it's really about the planning. And then when, when the planning all goes sideways and things come up in life, you know, we know the places we can go in Orange County and still get great food options mm -hmm. for our kids. Yes. And so kind of having, you know, your go-to places and being, you know, open with them. You know, here at 118, we work a lot with folks with food allergies and other um, styles of eating or very specific styles of eating mm -hmm. because a lot of people come to raw foods for healing. But, you know, we partner with our customers for their better health. So you can feel great. And I always tell people about going to your favorite restaurant and saying, okay, hey, look, you know, this is how we eat. And we want to be able to come here two or three times a week to kind of fill in the gaps. But, you know, I need to know, is it all right for you to make this without this? Or 
if we could have this as the side instead of this. And nine times out of ten anymore, people are so excited and happy to do that. But, it's you know, you have to communicate what it is you're looking for. Sure. Yes. And so a lot of times, you know, for people to feel confident in that communication is the other piece of it. Right. Right. Well, you know, it's interesting. My daughter, from time to time, her throat gets itchy with things, whether it's um, it's gluten sometimes, if it's, she eats a high-gluten uh, product, or, and I've laid low on gluten, actually, the past year or so, because she had some issues. Um, yeah. And you cannot have, like, she doesn't have celiac, but she has a sensitivity to yep. gluten. Mm-hmm. And, and then... Uh, sometimes certain things make her throat itchy so yeah. and i'm finding more people have these issues and yes. I, I always say well look look and see try to examine what you're eating and mm-hmm. it's hard you know mm-hmm. it is hard it's a challenge yeah uh, so tell me about um your restaurant when did you first launch it well so it's just kind of like this conversation we're having right now too you know everything is sort of one step at a time you mm-hmm. know um and when i was experiencing my whole transformation it was much like that too you know, um, but I felt this urgency kind of, you know, in my heart of wanting to create this space for people, you know, and it, and we're here in Orange County now. We've been open almost six years at the Costa Mesa store, and a lot of people think, oh, wow, you know, you know, here you guys are, and you're like instantly successful over here. And no, that's tell not people, how it works. <laughs> it's instant success with a yeah. decade of work behind it, you yes. know. Um, and and that's really the truth, you know. Once once I really came to understanding of what I wanted to do, I had some great friends and some really um, encouraging mentors around me, and so I just started little by little. I um, I had moved up to Los Angeles and um, to be closer to a group of friends that were doing this lifestyle. And when I was up in Los Angeles, you know, a group of us got together. We decided we wanted to try out this little product line, and so there were six of us, and we you know, launched this product line, and I did that on the side. You know, I worked my regular job, and then I would go do that on the side with them. And as things go in business, you know, our business was growing, and not everyone had the time or the passion behind, you know, making this business grow. So it kind of whittled down to two of us, and we were still kind of, you know, making food on the side. And so finally someone had to, you know, throw the towel in and say, okay, I'll do this full time. So I was more than happy to do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, you know, started doing this dream of, okay, you know, now I'm full-time self-employed and working on this. And um, we grow, grew pretty fast and needed another space because we were sharing a kitchen at that time. So we found this little coffee shop right across from a movie studio up in uh, West Hollywood. And we thought, okay, this is great. We can do our wholesale stuff here and be open certain hours, you know, to you know, work with the public, and pretty fast after we had our doors open, we didn't have time to do both in the space. Um, So we shifted to more of a retail focus, and I stayed up there for about a year and a half. And, you know, it was a lot of trial by error because at that time in raw foods, there had been very few successful raw foods restaurants. Um, There was one other in L.A. at the time that had opened a year before us, Giuliano's. Mm And so there were two of us, and, and I think now there's something like 18 raw restaurants in Los Angeles. Wow. Look at so that. you can see how much, you know, things have changed. And at that time, it was hugely about education because nobody understood um, what organic was. Nobody even understood why they should consider plant-based eating. You know, now we've got some great documentaries out there like Fat, Sick, and Nearly Dead and Forks Over Knives. And, you know, just, there's multitudes of them helping people understand what's happening in the body and why plant-based eating is important. Um, but then there, there wasn't too much education, so we were doing a lot of classes and a lot of community work, just really trying to help people make these connections. 
and it was great work and awesome work, um, but it was definitely 80 hours a week, you know, kind of work. Yes, and, um, and so then I had an opportunity to come back down to Orange County. My family was still here um, to try this out in Orange County, and so that's what I did, and I came down to Orange County, and um, about a year later, we opened 118 Degrees, and, um, you know, 118 Degrees was like really finally completing that original vision I had in Laguna Beach because we have, you know, we only have 32 seats here, but it's enough to get the majority of our customers in and seated um, during our lunch rush and our dinner rush and for people to feel comfortable and enjoy the space. And it really embodies, you know, what to me is so important. Um, There's art all over the walls, so you see that original influence of Laguna Beach. Yes, Um, I like that. But I also feel like food is art, and Mm -hmm. the more... um, the more it looks good on the plate, the more exciting it is to eat it, and the more holistic the experience of enjoying that food is, um, because it activates all your senses. And um, so, really, we've built into this model as much of that as we can. And um, now, you know, now we're excited because we've just expanded to Anaheim, and our Laguna Niguel location will be opening next month. Congratulations! So, thank you. I have a question. Do you? solely come up with these recipes yourself or do you have a team of people that work on this most of the recipes um i have done on my own mm-hmm. um although right now we're in the work of cultivating a team because um you know as we expand we'll need you know more influence and things like that i have a great kitchen manager jose who um we've started partnering on some of our meal program foods and um you know, there's just so many great ingredients coming in now, almost faster than we can create delicious recipes to go with them. So. Beautiful. And uh, are some of your customers a lot of kids, or is it mostly adults? Actually, we get a lot of adults, um, and then we do get some families. Okay. And so we have some great family options on our menu all day at all of our locations. Um, but you'd be surprised, you know, kids are almost easier when raw foods is new to an entire family. Yes. Because kids naturally, they want to eat um, the healthy stuff. It's just what's in their surrounding that they go to, you know. So when we bring kids in here and they try our caramel crepes or our apple cobbler, which sounds like a dessert, but it's actually very high in protein, um, has no gluten, it's gluten-free, dairy-free, soy-free. Sounds Um, delicious. They love it, and they don't think they're getting something healthy. They think they're getting this delicious, you know, breakfast treat. Nice. Um, So that's kind of how we approach um, kids that are new to raw foods, but every family is different, you know. Um, my son loves his green juice, and he eats, you know, spinach like it's going out of style. He actually calls spinach chips, so <laughs> I'm not going to argue with him. <laughs> Look at that. Um, but That's it's great. just because it's been in his environment. Um, and, you know, I'm like that, too, and even my husband, you know, we, we always talk about our kids and having a good environment for them. But I think it's like you mentioned before, you know, your environment really dictates who you are. That's and, right. Um, That's right. It, and so we, you know, we're very careful about that um, because we're sensitive to the energy of things around us, you know. What is it like for your, your child to go to a class party where there's so much processed food and junk? Does, do they actually eat it or do they shun it? Well, my it. son is still in a stage where he eats the food he's familiar with. Mm-hmm. He um, does very little sort of taste testing and things like that. Um, and he also uh, deals with food allergies as well. So he's fairly careful about grabbing things because I think, you know, we've had a couple of, you know, trips to the hospital around food oh, allergies. Awful. So I think that that is, you know, sort of set up for him that way. Okay. Um, but he also, you know, my son is really funny because he'll see something he's never seen before and be able to say, oh, no, I don't want that. That will not make me feel good. 
And Good for him. it's not an allergy relationship. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, like he looks at the food and he sees it. So That's I really great. think that our kids are much smarter than we give them credit for yeah. around food. I agree. I agree. My daughter was going back to school this morning, and she said last night, I want to eat home because I want to know what I'm eating, and I want to feel good tomorrow. And I, she said issues, health issues. And she had, like, this fantastic dinner, and we topped it off with a strawberry almond milk smoothie. And, um, yeah, they just they do know. They do get to the point where they just want to feel good. Yeah, and, and you know what I find, too, um, and I think this is important for kids of all ages, adults included, is the more they understand where food comes from, Mm-hmm. the more willing they are to try different things. And um, so we like to do trips out to Tanaka Farms, for example, and um, we ride the, you know, trailer around and they can see the food growing. And even my husband, you know, we were up there and they had yellow watermelon, and every week he asks me now for yellow watermelon. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's the relationship of where your food comes from, what it's doing, what it looks like. Um, all of that is so important to really get your whole experience around food yes yes you know when your food's just coming from a package and you're just grabbing it it you're not putting the pieces together and, and that's where your health can become at risk right. um because so much is lost you know in the processing of our food tell me something um we have to wrap up soon but you have a cookbook out yeah um raw basics is a fantastic resource guide for individuals and families and more of my personal story is in there as well and um these are great go-to recipes that are fast and easy to prepare and you just need a basic blender for most of them and um they're really things that are foundational to your diet so no matter where you want to go with your diet if you start adding more of these things to your diet um it, it really can set you up for a fantastic foundation of health Nice. So I recommend people check it out. It's available on our website and at Amazon.com. Okay. And then we have a great informational website for you. It's just JennyRossLivingFoods.com. And it's got some great how-to videos, some fun recipes to wrap up your summer. All of it's free information. You can go there and check it out. Nice. Jenny, thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me. You guys have a fantastic day. Thank you. You too. All right. Take care. So, Tim, thanks for joining me on this week's show. Pleasure, pleasure. Again, you've been listening to Get the Funk Out. And up next, Cure for the Blues with Sheldon Abbott. And I think we will wrap up the show with another track from that CD we were listening to. You want to pick another one? Why don't we keep the traditional blues going with uh, track nine, Diddy Wad Diddy. Diddy Wad Diddy, nice. Have a sweet Monday, everyone. I'll be back here next week. And again, I'm your host, Janine. This is Get the Funk Out. And up next, Sheldon Abbott, Cure for the Blues. Why did he? I wish someone would tell me what did it.